0: last night just before I went to bed I don't know how many thousands of sermons I've preached but I've preached a lot of them and uh, I still work really really hard and hope it shows I last night when it was time to go to bed I I went through my sermon I've gone through it numbers of times this week but I went through my sermon last night and I thought I don't like that That's not a good feeling late Saturday night when you're a pastor not to like it, so I went to bed, and I laid there, and I thought about it for a long time, and I said, Lord, you're going you're gonna to have to help me with this. So I got up early this morning, and I, I tinkered with it quite a bit, and uh, so I, if I look at my notes more than usual this morning, you'll, you'll understand why that is. I saw this, uh, this statement on the internet a few days ago. Maybe you saw it was on USA Today. It says, Utah Mailman. 91, retires with perfect record after 69 years. Can you imagine? I don't remember how you say it, but it's no rain, sleet, shine, you know, whatever. The mailman's going to show up. Boy, there's a living testimony of the mailman showing up, isn't it? 69 years and never missed a day. Can you be counted on? I have uh, two large pictures in my office at home, they're both, each one of them is about like this. One is of Winston Churchill and one is of Abraham Lincoln. Now Winston Churchill obviously is a household name. Uh, I've read a lot about Winston Churchill, certainly not a perfect man, had a sense of humor that was unbelievable and a grasp of the English language that was unbelievable. But. I admire Winston Churchill for lots of reasons, but one of them is his courage and his faithfulness. You wouldn't even know who Winston Churchill was except for what happened after his retirement years—retirement age years, I should say. Uh, He was the our equivalent to the Secretary of the Navy uh, in the early 1900s, and got fired. He ran for the House of Commons, I don't know how many times, but he lost several times. And then he'd run again and win. He'd even changed parties at one point. But his tenacity, and I I know that it was the Lord, I I believe that God placed his hand on Winston Churchill. He saved the Western world. And I have him there as a reminder of courage and faithfulness. Keep showing up. You're going to fail, but get up and try again. That's the, that's the message of Winston Churchill. On the other wall, on this left wall, I have Abraham Lincoln. Most people don't know this, but Abraham Lincoln was criticized heavily. He lost an election or two, but he was, criti- he was criticized as much as Donald Trump is criticized today. For different reasons, of course, but he was criticized horribly. But now is the most revered president ever in most people's mind. Abraham Lincoln would get up every morning and read the paper about how many thousands of men were killed that day. And he had to ask himself over and over again, I'm doing this and I know it's the right thing to do, But can I pay the price for this? He had to be incredibly burdened down by all the criticism and the lives that were lost, and yet today we revere him. I have a neighbor. Her name is Brenda. She's probably in her late 30s, I would say. She has three children. She's a widow. Her husband was the highest-ranking officer killed in Iraq. And uh, his life is a picture of faithfulness. He paid the ultimate price to be faithful to what he believed in. I think probably most of you know what NORAD is. NORAD is a is a tracking center in Cheyenne Mountain, just out of outside of Colorado Springs. It's buried in a mountain. Cost today's dollars billions of dollars to build and maintain and it keeps track of information from around the world. A few weeks ago, you may not have noticed, but a few weeks ago there was a Russian military jet, I believe it was a bomber, that was intercepted moving toward American airspace. It was still in international space, but moving toward our airspace, so several Air Force jets went up and met it. When I thought about that, I thought, how much money did it cost? because people can't be trusted. Uh, If people could be trusted, we wouldn't have to have a police department or the military. You know, every time you go in an elevator, have you ever noticed in the elevator that little certificate in there? Somebody inspected that elevator, why? We have to pay somebody to do that, why? Because people can't be trusted. Uh, restaurants. You go in a restaurant and they've all got an A or a B. You don't want to go in those usually. But they've got a certificate there. Why? Because somebody had to inspect that restaurant to make sure that they were up to standards. How much time and effort and money could be saved if people could be trusted to keep their word? So notice on your outline, if you would there, please, if we live by the Spirit and are led by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, we will be faithful just as God is faithful. So if God is faithful and we are abiding in Him, then that makes sense that we would be faithful as well. We're receiving life from Him. Let me give you some synonyms for faithfulness so it's really clear. Constant, steadfast, resolute, unswerving, reliable, trustworthy, dependable, stable. Faithfulness. The word that is translated in the English Bible, amen, is in the Greek and the Hebrew and in Arabic, all the same word. It's the only word that is. They pronounce it amen, we pronounce it amen. And it means truly. So Jesus, remember Jesus would say, truly, truly, I send you. In other words, this word has to do with being reliable. You can count on this, it's reliable. Truly, truly, I say unto you so faithfulness leads to the fact that you can have complete trust or confidence in someone or in something faithfulness is a good thing sporadic faithfulness is not a good thing you're faithful now but then you're not faithful and you're faithful again sporadic faithfulness isn't faithfulness at all you can't be counted on so I kind of laugh about myself a little bit I don't think this is for everyone, but it was for me. I, my goal, I didn't quite make my goal, and I, and I think I was right in resigning when I did, but I, my goal many, many years ago was that I would pastor faith chapel for 40 years. Well, I made it 36. And, and uh, the average for pastor in America today is about two and a half years. And uh, so I, I always tell people, they say, you've pastored that how long? And I say, yeah, I've been, been, been here a long time. I said, if I just move offices every couple of years, I'm okay. Just change, move my office furniture around and you know, move into a different office. I did just a couple of weeks ago. So faithfulness. Are you a faithful person? Can you be counted on? What if I was Managing a grocery store and an employee showed up late. How many times do you suppose that that would be tolerated? Or if you thought, well, I don't know if they're going to show up today or not. How long would you tolerate that? See, faithfulness affects a lot of things in our life. So let's talk about this logically. First of all, you can count on God. He is faithful. And I'm so glad. Notice these verses about his faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7:9. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is the faithful God, keeping his covenant to love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Psalm 86:15. 15. But, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He's faithful. Psalm 136, which I've referred to several times, there has 26 verses, and 26 times it says in those 26 verses, His love endures forever. God is faithful. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, it's in page 8 in the Bible underneath your chair. If you have your own Bible, turn to Genesis 12. We all know Abraham, the father of the faith. When he was called Abram, before the Lord changed his name. and In Genesis chapter 12, it records an instruction and a promise that the Lord gave to him. Genesis 12, beginning in verse 1. The Lord had said, talking formally, had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. So he's living in what is current, present-day Iraq. And God says, I want you to go. He says, well, where am I going? He says, I'll tell you when you get there. How'd you like to take that on? That's that's literally what happened. So this is the promise. I will make you into a great nation. This is one man. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now we know if you, it's a different topic, but if you follow through the scriptures, we are descendants of Abraham in the faith. So, what would the world be like if there were not any followers of Christ in the world? We're salt, we're light. You can see what's happening to our nation now because we've laid aside as a nation the scripture and the principles of the scripture. And you can see the result of that happening in all kinds of ways. But for Abraham to be be blessed and have descendants, obviously he has to have the first one. and He, did, he didn't have one yet. And he was about to adopt a son from Eliezer, and God said, no, you don't do that. I want, to, I want the blessing to come through you. So God renewed his promise to Abram when he was about ready to give up. Now, here's, here's why I'm telling this. In, in the Old Testament culture, the way that they would seal a, a covenant, sign a contract, if you will, was they would take an animal and they would cut it in half. And they'd put half of the animal here and half of the animal here, and the person who is signing the covenant, the idea is blood has been shed. And may that happen to me if I fail to fulfill the covenant. And they would walk a figure eight through those, through those halves. And that would be the signing of the covenant. So uh, God is, in, in Genesis 15, if you go back and read it later, God is swearing by himself. Uh, Abram saw this saw this torch that went through the pieces of the meat. And it was God signing the covenant with Abram. May this happen to me if I don't fulfill my promise. The signing of the covenant. The cross is another sign of the covenant. When you look at the cross, do you, you can't wonder, does God love me? Did, he, did Jesus do what he said he would do? Remember in the garden he said, he said Father, if there's any, way, any other way we can do this, please, let's do it. And then he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he went to the cross for you. It's the signing, the sealing of a covenant, a promise. You can count on him. He's faithful. So look at it this way. Notice on your outline, think of God's faithfulness in two ways. First of all, he's devoted. Now, when, now if I would say that, that uh, Jim is devoted to his wife, then that, would, that has a sense of, of uh, a heart issue to it. It's not just, a cold, calculated contract, but there's, some, there's devotion, there's love that's with that. So he is devoted. That communicates affection and allegiance. Secondly, he is diligent. That communicates that he is constant, steadfast, resolute, unswerving, reliable, trustworthy, dependable, and stable. So that's the faithfulness. But there's a devotional aspect, a hard aspect to this that I want you to see. So let's look at the ways that God is faithful. First of all, God is faithful to his promises. I went to a funeral yesterday, and uh, it was Ben's mother's memorial service. Uh, she passed away last week. And I was sitting about a third of the way back on one side, and while, the, while Pastor Jeremy was talking, this woman who was sitting in front of me, he was talking about heaven, talking about where Mary was, and this woman who was sitting in front of me, she was sitting there going like this. And I just watched her. She just kept going like this. She said, yes, I know that. He said, the reason we can be joyful today, we're going to miss Mary, but the reason we can be joyful is because we know where she is. Why do we know that? Because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'll take you to be with me. He's faithful. Psalm 145, 13 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is what? What? trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all that he does. G. Campbell Morgan, one of my book mentors, said, I believe the promises of God, enough in the promises of God, that I venture an eternity on them. We're staking our eternal life on the faithfulness of God. Secondly, God is faithful to forgive. What if those many, many years ago when I was a young guy in 1970, and I knelt down my, by my bed and I said, Lord, I realize that I have sinned against you. I've sinned against people. Would you please forgive me? There wasn't, a, there wasn't a, a smidgen of a doubt in my mind that that moment God forgave me. What if, I, what if I think, well, Lord, will you? Could you? Can you? I don't know if you can forgive me or not. No, he forgives. He forgives. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful to be present with us. I was in Spain. It was my first overseas trip, speaking trip. And I was in Spain uh, to speak to a group of pastors, and we were, in a, we were staying in a monastery outside of Madrid and it was cold. This this monastery, I, I, they had some heat in it, but it was cold. And I hate to be cold. So I'm I'm in bed, and it's cold in the room, and it's the middle of the night, and I've got jet lag, and I can't sleep. And I'm laying there, and I felt so alone. I thought, here I am halfway around the world. I don't even, I don't even know most of the people that I'm going to be talking to tomorrow. God, I I feel so lonely. And then. This this passage of scripture came to my mind. And the moment it came to my mind I recited it to the Lord and I was fine. I'll just read you the first line. Where can I go from your spirit? Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? You read through that verse, and what it's what it's basically saying, my 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 paraphrase of that is, there's no place that you can go that he's not. Now, you know, Jim has talked about this numbers of times during worship. You know, we wanna we wanna Sense and live in the presence of the Lord. Sometimes we feel that more than others, but He's always with us. It doesn't matter whether you feel it or not, He's always there. He is present with us. And this one, I love this. He's faithful to pray for us. I just, of, of all the things about the Lord, I think that's one of them that just, I just think, my Lord. Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is praying for you. Now, let me ask you a question. If I said to you, Jesus is right around the corner right there, and he's on his knees praying for us right now, and, and, I'd, and I'd, I'd go over there. Yeah, there he is. What would you think? Oh, man. He is. He is praying for us. Distance doesn't matter. Another mentor of mine from books is is Robert McChain. He said, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies, yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Three times in the scripture it talks about that. That is so unbelievably wonderful to me. And then he's faithful in his love toward us. I think I know why we question the love of God sometimes. It's because of our definition of love. Someone will say to us, I did love you, but now I love someone else. Which means I don't love you anymore. That's not the love that the Bible talks about. I don't feel the same way about you that I used to. That's not the kind of love the Bible's talking about. You did something to me that was really wrong, and I can't forgive you. That's not the love that the Bible talks about. I used to love you, but now I love someone else. I love this passage. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. You just need to grab a hold of it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He loves you. His love isn't conditional like ours is. So it makes sense if God is faithful and I am living in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, if I am abiding in Christ, and that's a big if, if I'm connected to Him, receiving life from Him, then if He is faithful, then I will be faithful too. Just like you plant an apple tree, you're going to get apples, not oranges. You're going to be faithful if you're locked into Him. If you're not faithful, then there's something missing in your relationship. You're not connected. And sometimes that varies, doesn't it? You're not not paying attention. He didn't move, but we move. And we can tell by how much we're producing the fruit of the Spirit is one of the ways. So secondly, can God count on you? You can count on God. Can God count on you? I, Arnie's not in here this service, but you all know Arnie, don't you? Uh, one, of, one of my joys in coming here is Arnie. Gosh, I love that guy. He, he, uh, he helps in all kinds of ways around here that you guys never see, I'm sure, but I see it. And uh, sometimes I'll say, Arnie. And he'll say, yes. I'll say, would you? And while I'm saying, would you, he's, he's going like this. <laughs> he, he's ready to go. He can be counted on. Can you be counted on? Now, it would probably be wise not to answer that too quickly. If I write another book, I think it might be about Peter. Uh, Gosh, he he is such a picture of our lives. The disciples are all gathered together. Jesus says, just before he's arrested, he says, well, he says, you guys are going to all desert me. And Peter's like, what? Lord, I would never never desert you. I can't speak for everybody else here, but I would would die for you. I would never desert you. And Jesus said, before morning, you will. The way he said it was, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. No way. Well, Jesus is arrested. Now their paradigm about Jesus changes completely because they thought he was going to take over and, and take, a, take a throne and kick all the, all the Italians out. And, and now he's arrested. This can't be the, the Messiah. So they all ran. They all fled. Now, Peter didn't run quite as far as everybody else did. When they arrested Jesus, they're leading him to Caiaphas, the high priest's house, And the scripture, I love what this says. It describes it so carefully in one of the Gospels. It says, Peter followed at a distance. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave. He followed at a distance. He distanced himself from Jesus. So now Jesus is inside being interrogated by the high priest. They're hitting with their fists. They're slapping him. They're whipping him. They're mocking him. And Peter's outside warming himself by the fire, watching everything that's going on. And three different times, someone came to him and said, "I I know you. You were you were with that Jesus guy, or I recognize your accent. Your accent. You were with that Jesus guy. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know him." And one of the gospels says that Jesus looked at him when he said it the third time. He looked at him, and Peter went outside and wept bitterly. I failed Jesus when I said I wouldn't. And, of course, his restoration is so wonderful. God's faithfulness is a key aspect of his character that he seeks to reproduce in his children. If he can be counted on, we should be able to be counted on. Now, <clears throat> I don't know how good this is, but this is, this is the best I got for today, so here, here we go. I fill my car with gas at the Holiday Station on Shiloh and Grand Avenue. I know where the air hose is. I've used it. I pull my pickup out on the south side of that service station. I put the air hose in my in my t- valve of my tire and it fills my tire up with air. I know where the water hose is. I haven't used it, but I know where it is. And I know if I go over there and turn on this pickup, what'll come out? Water. I know that when I go over to one of those gas pumps, because I have hundreds of times, I go to one of those gas pumps and I put my credit card in and then I put the gas pump in my tank, I know what's gonna end up in there and when I start my car it's gonna fire up because of the gasoline. I know not to grab the green one and put it in there. (laughs) That would be a serious mistake. My point is there's a source and there's a vehicle by which the source is delivered to the person, to the object in this case, and whatever you're connected to is gonna come out the other end case of gasoline or air, in the case of the Lord, if you're connected to Jesus, if you're living by the Spirit, and the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, lives in you, lives in you, and you are keeping in step with the Spirit, then the same thing is going to come out of you that went in, and that is the Spirit. And one of those things is faithfulness, that God can count on you if you're connected with Him. It says something about your connection if you're not faithful, if you can't be counted on. He's there waiting. In the prayer room at Faith Chapel, not the new building, but in the former building, we had this this, uh, beautiful prayer chapel. It was about the size of that area right over there. And, And I had a significant amount to do with that room we had that cross that's hanging on that wall right there in there and uh, a communion table and uh, there was oak around the top, the trim and there were verses written in that oak, one of them was uh, Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers He delights in the Lord and it goes on to say He's fruitful and so forth it's about faithfulness if you're abiding in jesus then you're going to be strong and stable the other verse was second Chronicles sixteen nine. it says for the eyes of the lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him now think about that that verse is saying god's god's looking oh there's one that's faithful oh there's another one there's another one there's there's one that's faithful He strengthens those or gives life to those who are fully committed to Him, those who are connected to Him. Psalm 32.8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I love this. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. If you're connected to Him, He'll counsel you. We run so quickly to others. Run to Him. He counsels us. And then my third point is, can you be counted on? Not just that God can count on, but can you be counted on in general? Would you be regarded as a faithful person? What if if this morning you walked in this building and you came in and you sat down and thought, I wonder if Stan's going to be here today. You just never know about that guy. Might show up, might not show up. Can't count on him. Well, he might be here, but he'll be late. It's not a good thing, is it? How important is it to be counted on? Is it important that the Delta airline pilot can be counted on? Oh, yeah. Is it important that the air traffic control guy can be counted on or gal? I hear on the news every once in a while that they're not training air traffic controllers very well. And there aren't enough of them. They're overworked. And I think, oh, Lord, let's get that fixed. I want to be able to count on them. My friend Jerry Cook, such a, such a great man. A couple of you may, may know him, but he was a pastor that's gone to be with the Lord now, a great guy. He, had, he, had a, he was going to have a heart surgery, so he went to, the, went to the hospital. The surgeon came in the night before heart surgery. And... And Jerry was such a likable guy. says to his, his surgeon, he says, he says how are you feeling? He says, I'm feeling fine. He says, is, is this your birthday? Dr. looked i him kind of fine. He says, is this your anniversary? He says, no. Why are, you, why are you asking that? He says, well, I want to make sure you're not out partying tonight. I've, <laughs> I need you to be holy here tomorrow. You know, I want to be able to count on you. <laughs> That's a pretty good question, isn't it? It's important that we can be counted on. I hate this commercial. It's on Fox, Fox News all the time. I, I listen to Fox News in my, in my pickup, and I hate this commercial. It says, don't let, don't let those credit card companies trick you into believing you have to pay all that debt. Trick you into doing what you said you would do? What's that about? You said you would pay it. You know, I was, brought up, I was brought up in a farm and ranch culture. And man, my dad taught me and my uncle taught me. He says, here, you shake my hand. That's all you need. You, you know, in the New Testament, people were swe- swearing by heaven. Swe- swearing by the throne of God. Our equivalent would be, I swear on my mother's grave. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say you're going to do something, then you'll do it. You'll be faithful to your word. I know that there are always two sides in marriage vows, but marriage vows, gosh, I, I get them out and I, re- and I read them all the time because I do you know, do weddings, not very really many anymore, but I look at those wedding vows and I think, golly, that's a pretty serious commitment. Till death do us part. Now, I, I, I'm not talking about anybody that's got a divorce. I know that some of you have been abused, some of you have been neglected. I mean, all kinds of things happen. I know that. But we want to be people who can, will keep our word and we can be counted upon. God is faithful to his promises. Are you faithful to your promises? Do you keep your word? If it's a fruit of the Spirit, then you're connected to him, then you'll be a person who keeps your word. You'll do what you say you do. God is faithful to forgive. Are you? Do you forgive people? I know we don't like to hear this, but it's in there. He said, if you don't forgive them, I won't forgive you. Gigi and I had a, uh, I'm sorry, it's Ginger and I, her name is Gigi to me. Ginger and I had a little discussion last night. And it wasn't, you know, the longer you go in marriage, the intensity level goes down. And it used to be we'd get in a beef and, golly, that Ginger's a mean woman. (laughs) She's an Irish redhead. And I wasn't always so calm myself. We never abused each other. We never mentioned the divorce word in our, in our life. Never once. We've never mentioned the D word. Not one time. We had a little discussion last night and I pointed something out to her and, and just like that she said, I'm sorry. You think I sat there and thought, well, you ought to be. <laughs> of course I forgive instantly. Forgiveness is so hard. I know what it's like to be hurt, to be violated. I know what it's like to go for years and be saying, Lord, I I let that go. And then somehow I take it back on. Lord, I let that go. One particular relationship, that went on for probably five years where I I just had to say over and over again, Lord, I know it's the right thing to do, but this keeps coming back on me, and I don't want it. I give it to you. I let it go, and pretty soon it's gone. Faithful to forgive, God is faithful to forgive. God is faithful to be present. Are you faithful to be present? April says, "Well, I don't know if Jim, I don't know if Jim's going to be home tonight or not." He will be. <laughs> You'll hunt him down, right? Are you present for those who count on you? Some of you know Cliff Potts, don't you? Anybody know Cliff Potts? Mm-hmm. Cliff Potts is oh man. He got polio when he was fifteen years old, lived in an iron lung for a while, and they figured out new ways now to help him breathe. Cliff's probably in his 60s, so he's, he's had polio for years. He's a quadriplegic, got his master's degree, paints with his tongue, has this brush, and, just, and then he puts his tongue over on a button to move his arm. And uh, Brenda, his wife, she, she's as much a hero to me as he is, maybe more. Brenda's been married to Cliff for I don't know how many years. They've got kids. She, she, she's a nurse. She takes care of, Cl- of Cliff. She's always there for him. I've been in their house when he's almost choked to death, and she, she'll be over there immediately, you know, helping him. His life literally depends on Brenda. And more than you know, there are people in your life that count on you. Their life, in a sense, depends on you. How their life turns out, in some cases, depends on you. I've watched the devastation. One of my own own kids went through a divorce just a few years ago, and I watched the devastation that came as a result of that. I tried to warn him about this. Oh, she'll be okay. Kids will be fine. Mm -mm. They're fine now, but their life was changed by his decision. Can you be counted on to be present for the people who need you? God is faithful to pray. Are you? Every Sunday morning when I leave the house, I always walk in Ginger's little room where she's doing her devotions, and I say, I give her a kiss goodbye, and then I say, Gigi, pray for me. And she'll say, I already have, or I will, or I I was right when you came in the room. I can count on that. God is faithful to love. Are you faithful to love? Not in the kind of love I described a few minutes ago, like, oh, I did love you, but now I love somebody else. But once you commit yourself to someone to love, marriage, for example, it's, it's, it's a lasting love. I, one of my best friend's wife uh, betrayed him in marriage. She gave her affection literally to another person committed adultery, and it was a horrendous, horrendous experience for him and for for his kids, for their kids, and I believe it was two and a half years after that happened. uh, They'd spent a lot of time working on their marriage. She'd repented. He had every reason in the world to divorce her, biblically no one would have indi- indicted him if they said, you can you can get a divorce because it says marital unfaithfulness. But two and a half years after that happened, he, he bought a ring, a new ring at the jewelry store and knelt down to his wife that he'd been married to for years and he asked her to marry him again after she'd been unfaithful. That's the kind of love that God's talking about. That. We can be counted on. My kids, I was, grow- I was brought up in a generation, It wasn't. I don't blame my parents for this, they, did, they just didn't ever tell me they loved me. They just, that, they just didn't do that. My dad, it wouldn't have occurred to him to tell me he loved me. Boy, of course I love you, he knows it. Every time I see my kids or my grandkids or my great-grandkids, I love you. Every time. When I see them and then when I, I love you. I don't want them to ever, 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 ever question for one minute my love for them. I went in the Social Security office a few days ago. Nobody works in Social Security, do you? I went to the Social Security office the other day. I lost my Social Security card, so I went in the courthouse. And, and this guy, when I was walking in the door, this guy across the street said, don't go in that evil building. I said, I wish I didn't have to, but I do. So I walked in the federal courthouse, and, you know, they've got, like, the airport screening there when you come in. So I had to empty my pants. I've been through that routine a million times. Empty all my pockets out. And I said, do I have to take my watch off? You know, do I have to? I even took the lifesavers out of my back pocket because they got metal in, you know wrapped in some kind of a metal. And so I said, do I have to take off my boots? And I had to add on some boots for the snow. And he looked at him. and says, yeah, I think so. You better take those off. By this time, I was just irritated. I'm going up to get my Social Security card. So I sat down and I undid my boots, and while I'm undoing my boots, and this guy's really a nice guy, I finally said to him, I said, said, wouldn't it be nice if if everybody was trustworthy? He said, yeah, but I wouldn't have a job. (laughs) That's kind of my point. What if everybody was trustworthy? So here's what I want you to do with me in conclusion this morning. I want you to think, I don't know how your gas gauge works, whether it's a needle or, or it's digital, whatever it is, think of, a, think of a gas gauge that's like this, and here's full and here's empty. How are you doing in terms of the fullness of the Spirit? How's your gas gauge? I'll tell you how you can tell. One of the ways you can tell is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. How are those things in your life right now? Are you connected to Him? And all of us, every one of us, sometimes it, gets start, it starts getting down here, and I'm getting a little better when it gets down to about halfway. I start paying attention. need to go to him. But if it starts getting down here, the farther you get away from him, the lower the fruit of the Spirit will be in your life. So this morning, just hold your hands out in front of you like this. Let's close our eyes together. Lord, this morning I pray for every person that's in this room. Lord, they would be connected to you. If there's, if there's someone here today who hasn't yet completely given their life to you, I pray that they would right now. Even as they're holding their hands open, Lord, they'd say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I know that you're the son of God. I know that you were raised from the dead. And I, bl- I, I want you to be the Lord of my life. That they would do that right now. Lord, those of us who've walked with you a long time, fill us. We don't want to just walk out the room today and then come back next week empty again. We want to walk with you every day, living in the Spirit, depending on you, counting on you. And we know that that will show in our life. So if there's some indication in our life today that we're getting low, then Lord, point that out to us so we can lock ourselves into you again. In Jesus' name we pray.